You're listening to Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, the lovely Desiree. How are you doing tonight, Desiree? Doing good, doing good. How are you doing? Good, but it feels really weird to say your full name. I don't know why, it just does. Were you trying to get a reaction out of me this time? No, I was just doing it, and it just feels really weird. Why does it feel really weird? Because I never call you by your full name. <laughs> Do you ever call me by my full name when we first no. started dating? No. I didn't think so, because Heidi never called me that. She just called me Des or Desi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's usually Desi. Never, ne- never used your full name. I think I've used your full name in more episodes of this than any other place I've ever said your name in my life. I do say your full name a lot, though. Yeah. I don't exactly have a long name to say, Alan. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was a when I was in high school, my mom finally gave up. She's like, oh, I can't stand it. All his friends call him Al, though, so I guess I just have to go with it. She hated when people called me Al. Well, I call you both. I don't mm-hmm. use one or the other. I don't I really just care. Back and forth. Really? Because you've even told me you like Alan better. Well, I like Alan better, but it doesn't bother me to be called Al at all. So I'm no. called it every day. So I believe you're first this evening. What do you got for us? Well, this story I know you've heard of before, okay. but I wanted to bring it to the table because guess what month it is? Hmm. It's March. <laughs> Good guess. <laughs> and guess... What this month represents. Well, there's a lot more than just one, but... I have no idea. It's Women's Month. Women's Month. Oh. So, I'm You guys get a, to be get a long month. <laughs> what? Women get a long month. You know, 31 day a month. Good for you. Does man, I don't know. <laughs> is man month in February? There is no man month. Well, then, boo-hoo. <laughs> men, men get the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So my first story though, I it's science. I like science, but this is all this is also like a woman's month type of a story. Okay. So I thought this would be a good one to start off for now, I guess. For the first Sounds story good. of March. I don't know, because I'm dorky like that. We know this. Yes, we know this. So cracking the code of the he- human um genome. Henrietta lacks immortal cells. Okay. So, do you know this? No, I don't know this. I know you know this. Okay. Anyways, you'll you'll figure it out eventually. But uh, medical researchers use laboratory-grown human cells to learn um, how cells work and test theories about the causes and treatments of diseases. The cells, the cell lines they need are immortal. Uh, they call grown. They call grown indefinitely. Uh, they can be frozen for decades, divided into different batches, and shared among scientists. Okay. Um, in 1951, a scientist at John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland, created the first immortal cell, um, or cell line. I've never heard of this. You did. Okay. I know you did. So. Uh, Henrietta Lacks was a tobacco, a black tobacco farmer from Southern Virginia who got cervical cancer when she was 30. Uh, 
A doctor at John Hopkins took a piece of the tumor without telling her and sent it down to a hall of scientists there who had been trying to grow tissues and cultures for decades without success. No one knows why, but her cells never died. Mm. Um, her cells are important because they are the first immortal human cells ever grown in culture. Um, they I were... Want, I want immortal human cells. <laughs> they were essential to developing the polio vaccine. Um, they went up in in the first space mission to see what would happen to cells in zero gravity. Cool. And many scientific landmarks since then have used her cells in cloning, including cloning, gene mapping, and intro vitro fertilization. And then, hmm. so that's kind of what they're known for. Okay. Um, confusion over the years about the source of the HeLa cells. Um, when the cells were taken, they were given to given the code name H E L A for the first two of her first name, Henrietta, and, and Lax, the first two of her last name. Um, today, anonymous samples is a very important part of doing research on cells, mm -hmm. but that wasn't something that doctors did back in 1950. They just take things; they didn't have the HIPAA laws. Oh yeah, I can imagine it wouldn't, you know. Um, so they weren't ter terribly careful about her identity, of course. Um, and then at some point, researchers who had grown the cells made up uh, like a pseudo name, Helen Lane, Helen Larson. Hmm. Her name didn't really leak out into the world until the 70s. Okay. So um, Rebecca, who wrote a book in regards to this, mm -hmm. She learned about Henrietta in 1988. She was 16, a student in community college biology class. Um, she said what was unique about her situation was that her teacher actually knew Henrietta's real name and that she was black, but that's all she knew. The moment that she had heard about her, she became obsessed with this, and she kind of started doing the whys and... yeah. Really interested really, really, in this. Really wanting to dig in and get to yep. know as much as she could. Yeah, that makes sense. And it wasn't until she went to grad school that she thought about tracking down the family. Hmm. So um, it took her almost a year when she did find the family to convince Henrietta's daughter to talk to her. Okay. Um, She was desperate to learn about her mother. So she wanted, she started doing... um her own research and she'd tell her everything that she had found. So she went to Clover, Virginia where Henrietta was raised. And then she would call Deborah on the phone and leave her a voicemail telling her what she found out about her mother. Okay. Um, she was trying to convey, uh, convey her that she wasn't hiding anything and she just wanted to learn about her mother mm -hmm. together. Yeah. So, um, after a year, she finally said, let's, do this Let's get get together and try to so try to learn. and then about 25 years after henrietta died the scientists discovered that many of the cell cultures thought to be from other tissue types um including breast cancer and prostate cells were found in the hela cells and it turned out the hela cells could float on dust particles uh travel on unwashed hands contaminated other cultures hmm. so it became like this huge controversy 
So then eventually they tracked down the family to get DNA samples to try to figure out which cells were actually yeah. the HeLa cells so they could get those um, and get it all straightened out and figure it out and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, HeLa cells were the first human biological material that were ever bought and sold, which helped launch a million billion, a multi-million dollar <laughs> industry. Um, and then when... Deborah's brother found out about people that people were selling vials of their mother's cells and the family didn't get any of the mm. resulting money. They got angry, of course. Of course, of course. Um, Henrietta's family lived in poverty most of their lives and they couldn't afford health insurance even. Um, so the family launched a campaign to get some of what they felt they were owed financially. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they should deserve something. Well, of course. So scientists, one of the lessons is that there are human beings behind every biological sample used in the laboratory. So much of science today revolves around using human biological tissue of some Mm -hmm. kind. So for scientists, cells are often just like tubes of fruit flies. So they're just inanimate tools mm-hmm. yeah and, they're not thinking about where they're they just came there from. exactly um but it sounds like the family got what they they felt they deserved that's and that's good and um henrietta lacks her cells are the first immune or like immortal that's cool cells and that's really cool cause the i mean polio vaccines yeah, so definitely a lot very important there female in history and Definitely. she died not even knowing how important she was yep and unfortunately her family had to kind of fight for her reputation almost just to get a little credit for for what she did yep yep awesome so that, that... is much more uplifting than any of my stories <laughs> <laughs> well good i'm glad i started it off right Hopefully you don't have a depressing one for the last one then. Oh, no, no. I would never bring a depressing one for the last one. Phew. (laughs) I'm going to start it off not with depressing, but with... I feel like you always have to explain your stories. Like, I do. This isn't this sad. Is, I do. I, I just this is because this I beat you up for a few of the of episodes where I'm like, do you always have to be a downer? Stop being a Desi downer. Of course it is. This isn't a downer at all. You're such not a Desi downer. Not a downer. Uh, I mean, uh, how could you have a downer story about raisins that's because they're grapes that the energy is sucked right out of them yeah yeah see i just brought that right down see how (laughs) i can do that i'm good anyway i'm also very uplifting though i learned about something new this week i learned about the national raisin reserve hmm the national raisin reserve what so are these raisins that go off to war for us? No, these are raisins that the government literally takes and destroys or... Why would they destroy gets, gives raisins? ...gives away to other countries or... I'm going to tell you. That doesn't make any sense. Do they even mold? In 1949... Yes, they do, by the way. They do go bad and eventually. But I have no idea. In, in 1949... As a means to prevent the crash of raisin prices after World War II. The crash of raisin prices. Because um, there was less demand for raisins from the government because raisins were sent to all the troops. Okay. So World War II ends. 
there's less demand for raisins because all these there's nobody mm, overseas eating raisins, no Americans overseas eating raisins. They don't need dehi- or dehydrated food as much. Exactly, exactly. So um, Congress passed Marketing Order 989, and this created the Raisin Administration, um, Raisin Administrative Committee, um, and they were responsible. <laughs> they were responsible for running the raisin reserve. Oh my goodness! I want to be a part of the RR. <laughs> well, you can't, but I'm going to get there. Nine eight nine, here I come! <laughs> Don't tell me what I can't do. I'll show you wrong. Uh so throughout the year, this raisin reserve would seize raisins from the market, take raisins out of the market to cause the price of raisins to go up. Uh, they would send them to various warehouses in California to be stored and then usually sold to foreign nations or fed to cattle or school children. Cattle? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Aren't there certain animals that cannot eat grapes? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Isn't it cats or something? I'm or a dog? Sure. It's sure. dogs. Dogs and grapes and chocolate. Yeah. You can't put Makes a sense. grape in a microwave. No. I wonder if you can put a raisin in there. I don't know. Anyway, don't know. sorry. <laughs> anyway, Squirrel. the the Raisin Administrative Community was based in Fresno, California, and overseen by the U- U.S. Department of Agriculture. Makes sense. Um, and uh, profits from the sale of the reserved raisins, the ones that were taken from the gro- growers, often mm-hmm. for no payment, were used to pay the expenses of the committee for pay farmers for their seized produce. So um, I thought it was interesting that the you the government would literally come in and take your raisins off your farm, not pay you for them. But you were That's okay wrong. with that. You were okay with that because that meant the price of the rest of your raisins went up because they were doing it to every raisin farm. So they didn't really go up. You were just there was, getting... There was less of a supply, so you'd get more money per raisin once you subtracted the raisins the government took from you. But w- were they breaking even still or were they getting double... Of what the whole crop would have been. Uh, that I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what the difference in price was. Um, today, raisins are very inexpensive, and that is because in 2013, a uh, Supreme Court case determined the raisin reserve to be unconstitutional. Well, it is unconstitutional. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> they decided in 2015 by a majority, a uh, 5-4 majority, that confiscating a portion of a farmer's crops without proper Proper market price compensation was unconstitutional. So there is no uh, raisin reserve anymore. But this raisin reserve was in was a government entity for 60-some years. And its they job... They only did that with raisins? Th- its job was literally just to deal with raisins and keep the price of raisins high. I wonder if they did that with other crops. Can you imagine how food? many products in this country are kept at a price inflated because of something like this. I guarantee you there's other things like this. Hmm. Maybe they should stop pumping cows with hormones and pigs with hormones. And Maybe. And maybe we wouldn't have so many issues like we do. Like, maybe. Maybe we should just eat more raisins. Ew. <laughs> Ew, gross. No. Um, in addition to the National Raisin Reserve, there have been other reserves. There was one for almonds, walnuts, tart cherries, Tart cherries, <laughs> yum. Tart cherries. You they can't eat those. Uh, but none of these uh, exist anymore. So, because the the they were all determined to be unconstitutional. But the raisin reserve was the largest. So that was that was interesting that we had a I thought that was a crazy. government body that monitored raisin prices and made sure they stayed high 
Not low, but high. Really? You're surprised. I'm okay, I'm surprised that we don't anymore, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I'm not making any comment on that one there. Even though I started that, I am sorry. Yeah. National Raisin Reserve. Check it out. 989. That's right. Marketing order 989. Okay. Well, my next story comes out of California. Not where yours came out of, though. Okay. Um, A California couple inherit a 50-year-old secret beneath their new home. Oh, my God. I almost did a story about a secret beneath somebody's home, but it wasn't in California, so. There's lots of secrets that I find out about, and I'm just like, ooh, which one do I do? So I picked this one. Okay. um, Because there was a recent discovery recently. Obviously, I just said recent. (laughs) There was a recent discovery recently in the recent home of recent Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was like something buried in their backyard and they found it. And it was like, oh, I wish I would have found that. This cool. would have been cool too, though. Okay. So, Colleen and Chris, of course, I'm going to slaughter their last name. Of course. It so, wouldn't be Outlandish Outcast without a slaughter <laughs> name. Uh, hopefully okay. I said that right, purchased a new home in Woodland Hills, California. They had no idea what um, they were really buying. Sure, they had the walk-in closets. Very nice area of the country. I talk to a lot of people there on a daily basis. (laughs) But you've never been there. No, I haven't. Um, They had the kitchen. They had a grand dining room. Um, It was everything they were looking for. And there was something else on the property. They were, I mean, they could see that there was this cement hole in the backyard. They just didn't know what it was. Okay. Um, After they had perched it, purchased it they figured out what their unusual feature was it was drumroll fallout shelter cool fallout shelters are so cool (laughs) well i was looking at this i'm like you remember the movie blast from the past i love that movie totally just aged us yes had the biggest crush on him i mean (laughs) (laughs) it's a good movie i like that movie sorry george of the jungle yeah man in a loincloth if you'd run around with a loincloth i told you like yesterday, I was going to start running around in my underwear. You didn't seem to like that idea. If you had a loincloth on, I'd let you do it. Okay. And then you got to start hollering, oh. Yeah, that's not going to happen. No? Mm, whatever. Anyways, um, so when they got the place, they went down the ladder into a shelter that was about 15 feet down into the earth. Cool. Um, there's a lot to this story, so if anybody wants to read more about history, they can definitely jump on here and read the rest of it. There's lots of fun pictures, though, for sure. Uh, cool. The new bunker, it was full of nearly all the items that someone would need to survive in the event of a nuclear attack, because this was built for the Cold War. Yeah, that's what, yeah. So um, there was water, canned food, clothing, medicine, as well as paper products and books. So there was enough room in the shelter for a family of four okay um looks like it was fairly large from that one picture i was looking at looks like it was a, kind of a large oh it was a I little mean, bit not huge, smaller but, but it it's bigger than our basement you know <laughs> um so the items were still wrapped in their mostly untouched vintage packaging in this shelter Cool. So the amount of food and various supplies would have only lasted the family about two to three weeks at the most, though. Ooh, so that's not going to do well, you much good in nuclear fallout. 
nuclear, but I don't think people really knew much about radiation back no, in the day. That you knew you had somewhat of an idea, but I don't yeah. think people realized it hung around for a month plus. Yeah. And it would have an effect on you. But the house's previous owner, um, Elvin Kaufman, had built the shelter in 1961. Um, he was a nuclear engineer working for the U.S. government. So he knew firsthand of the dangers of the nuclear attack that um, would have posed mm-hmm. the United States yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so according to Elvin's daughter, Deborah, I have two Deborahs in here. Deborah, Deborah, they were both spelt different, though. Um he offered to build one giant fallout shelter for the entire neighborhood to share, but everybody else turned that down. Okay. So the neighbors, because I was kind of reading through this, and I'm like, how do you build this without your neighbors knowing about it? Oh, yeah, it? that'd be hard. But they knew about it and just thought, yeah, he's a little crazy. He's a little nuts, yeah. So um, the first item they found was an old Aerobrand sweater. There was a number of handy cooking and preservation uh, or products handy as well. Saran wrap, Reynolds wrap, plastic baggies. Cool. Anything you might need. Yep. And then there was medicine that was all expired, of oh, course. Of course. <laughs> uh, sleeping pills, medications for nausea, ointment, an assortment of nondescript orange tablets. They have no clue. Odds are, in my mind, I'm like, hmm. Those were the good ones, I bet. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and of course, a first aid kit was in there. Um, there was a tin of cookies that sat on the shelf next to two packages of the multi-purpose food. Oh, I bet the cookies are good. I was even, I saw that. <laughs> I'm like, mm, I wonder, because yeah, no. they're in an old cookie jar. It says cookies right on it. Yeah, I know. So good. it made me go, did they open the cookie jar? What kind of cookies were in the cookie jar? This medicine box looks like it could give you a tetanus. (laughs) If you didn't have a tetanus shot, it sure did. Um, But the multi-purpose food is a food substitute that would provide proper nutrition at a very affordable price. Okay, so like the the, the crap they sell on AM radio nowadays. AM radio? Yeah, like Rush Limbaugh is always pushing some nuclear fallout. Not fallout, but like some, uh, what do they call those people? not survivalists. What do they call them? I don't know. This is high preppers. Pro- preppers. Doomsday preppers. And you're and they have this shake that'll just. That's all you need is this shake. Maybe this is a high protein food supplement that only costs three cents a meal. Cool. So, um, there were a dozen issues of analog science fiction and fact magazine, the American sci-fi magazine that was published in the 1930s. So it was there for their entertainment. Yeah. There was one roll of old Kleenex paper towels, um, single roll that may have paper. (laughs) When you said that, I thought. Well, it made me go even when I read this. Like, is there a bathroom in there? I have no idea. Um, but it it wouldn't have lasted very long for a family of four. And the bunker also contained a package of Dixie paper cups. And then all around the room on the shelves and tables sat jars and cans of ground coffee of several different varieties. Most of them had never been opened, though they were pretty rusted. But Most important thing in a nuclear <laughs> fallout, my coffee. Gotta have my coffee. Well, I was even thinking that, like, thank God. Um, 
But thankfully, nuclear war never happened, and the Kaufmans never had a reason to use Ellen's or Elvin's <laughs> bomb shelter. Wait, I did not have a bomb shelter. <laughs> My grandpa's name was Elvin. We called him Al. Grandpa Al. Well, I called him Grandpa Elvin. It was Elvin. hilarious that your grandma could never remember my name. That is kind of funny. <laughs> grandma, it's your oldest son-in-law and the name of your husband, Al. I love my grandma. God rest her soul. Yes. <laughs> um, But the family was more than happy to have inherited this rare vintage gem of all the amazing items contained within, not just for the history, but for the value of these certain... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would be stoked if we, bought a, if we bought a house and found a fallout shelter underneath it. I mean... Well, Imagine I'm hoping when we rip out that other part of the basement, I'm hoping there's something back there. Because the guy that built this house, there's even a vault in the wall. Yep. That was like a thing I was like, oh, nice. Yep. None of my family knows where that is. We'll keep that <laughs> hidden from them for a while. Yep. But yeah, or not that a vault, really cool. but it was a safe. But That is cooler than the uh, than the thing I read earlier this week. So that is really cool. It's cooler than the thing you read earlier this week? Yeah, there's some couple in England in the last month that found... Gold? No, in their basement. They found a tunnel under their basement, and they found an old samurai sword. and a, Or not samurai sword, like a medieval sword. And like this, like... It, I, don't, I don't know everything that was down there. I didn't research it too I had much, read a story about... It was kind of cool. Um, I don't know if it was England, but it was somewhere up in that region. might have been Scotland. But it was when the Catholics and the Protestants were mm-hmm. all fighting and stuff. And there was like a church underneath cool. the basement, built in the basement because they, and there was like a huge cross and stuff because they were practicing their religion, but they were hiding it. Yeah. Cool. So. Cool, cool. So I thought that was cool. But yeah, definitely I... Wish we had bought a house where we could find. I mean, there's cool. lots of cool things in this house that we have come across. Even oh, yeah. when we own or like walked into it, we have like a 1950s Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer in here. <laughs> 1950s yarn hanging owl. That's, yep. I mean, a radio, give it about, the radio and the oh, shot. The, the radio and the pink refrigerator. Yep. yep. Those things cool will stuff. be worth something that the kids can like fight amongst themselves after we're dead and the finally it'll be worth something, but they all work. Yep. That tube radio, oh yeah, that was awesome. Yep, that was cool. Turn that, that cool. on, like shut it off, we don't want to break it, still <laughs> works. Yep. Don't ever turn that on again. <laughs> yep. All right, well, my next story is like the coolest idea ever. I heard the about this a couple, maybe a idea? year ago on a podcast. I don't remember what podcast that I was listening to that I heard, I heard about this on. And I started seeing more stories recently pop up about this website. And I think it's really cool. A website? I almost tried it. I almost signed up. But I'll explain why I didn't throughout the story. Um, there is a, a site, and the site is called Do Not Pay. What? It's called do not pay dot app. Okay. And the site was founded with the purpose of the average person doesn't have the means or the knowledge to fight a lot of petty court issues or all kinds of little things. The biggest thing it was started for was parking tickets. It's really easy to fight a parking ticket if you're an attorney. 
and mm-hmm. have that knowledge in that time. If you're a regular average old Joe, you just pay the parking ticket. Well, this app or this website, what it does is it, you sign up and you can have it automatically generate things like. Why were you signing up? What were you going to fight? Hold on, hold on. I'm going to okay. get there. Okay. I'm going to get there. Okay. It, uh, so like I said, it'll, it'll generate uh, a letter if you're in a dispute with an airline, let's say over, you know, you cancel the flight, they won't give you your money back. You can have, it'll generate a letter in legal form from an, it looks like it comes from an attorney to send to them to help you dispute it your claim. It looks like it comes from it an looks attorney. It looks like it comes from an attorney. Um, it has, it, it is used. People are using it every day. Um, there's a bunch of testimonials, not only on their site, but of uh, a bunch of journalists have talked to people who have used the site. Um, there was this one lady, where's her name? Euphora Gray. Uh, she used it because she went to reschedule her mother's flight to Taiwan and over the mounting uh, coronavirus concerns, she's like, I need to reschedule. I want to cancel this $250 just for the rescheduling? Yes, exactly. And you, using um, do not pay, she was able to get that two hundred exactly that $250 refunded back to her mom after she, they wanted her to pay it in the first place. Wow. So she got this, this service got it back. Uh, another thing you could do is you can go on their website and just say, I want you to cancel my subscriptions to... Netflix or this, that, this, that, this, that, and they will officially cancel them all for you without having to figure out how in the hell do I cancel my subscription? Because that is so hard on some sites. Some sites like Netflix make it very easy. Some sites make it very difficult. Um, like actually, I was just Netflix I, is easy to cancel. No, Netflix. I just said some sites make it easy, like Netflix. Some sites like there's this. I was just reading about it the other day. There's a a, a new app where it's like a home cleaning service. And you sign up for it. And the only way you sign up for a recurring monthly payment and somebody comes to your house once a month, cleans your house. And the only way to cancel it is to actually physically call and talk to them. There's nowhere on their website. There's nowhere anywhere other than talking. To Can't them. you just call the bank and be like, I need this charge removed. And you could, but, or you could have a service like this, do it. And they would just have it removed and taken care of for you. Um, this also will, um, contact telemarketing companies who are contacting you if if you're on the do not call list and they will send legal paperwork to them saying you're going to sue and people have gotten checks in the mail saying you know don't sue we'd like to settle just sign here and here's your $200 please don't sue because we called you and you're on the do not call list that's crazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of amazing um so all kinds of just little things like that. Small, little, almost small claims court type of things, but you're not a lawyer, so you're, it's not as easy for you. Well, this, this website or app How does it How much does it you. even cost? I don't know. I was going to look into it. Is there a monthly fee that you can't cancel? <laughs> yeah. Is there a monthly? <laughs> there could be. I, went, I was like, okay, I really want to know about it, so I went to the website. And you have to go to it on a phone because the first question is, enter your phone number. And we'll I would send, have been we'll like, nope, done. No, I went that far. You did? I gave them my phone number. They sent me my code. You know what the next question is? What's your credit card number? Yep. That's nope. where I said, nope, <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> See ya. And I, like I've read, I've heard a lot about this site. I've read a lot about it. Your first two questions on your website cannot be what's your phone number and what's your credit card number because I'm not going to try it then. Or social security number. Yeah, or no, like it should be, some personal... tell me a little bit more about what you do, you know, uh-huh. 
you, you ask for my email address before you ask for my credit card number. Jeez. <laughs> like, are you going to charge me before we even finish and, this? I mean, according to the page that I was on reading, they were the, they need your credit. Your it's they want debit card information because they want to be able to deposit money when in a dispute they win for you. No, but no, we can get that information a little later. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's kind of go through the process. Exactly. See what you're about so, before I even hand over a credit card number. I, Hello. I I'm personally not don't know how legit it is. I read a lot of testimonials. I saw a lot of articles by like, but anyone can make a testimonial. No, the testimonials I know aren't really necessarily believable, but a lot of like local papers have written articles about it and things like that. So it makes me think Who it's somewhat legit. Who in their right legit. mind hands over their credit card number right away, though? That I don't know. That's kind of ridiculous. No way. I mean, I guess if you got a burner, like a, a, a something you only, a debit card you only use for nothing type things, maybe. I don't know. I, w- mm. I, w- I wouldn't do it, but... It might be interesting. It's uh, do not pay dot app. If you are interested, go check it out. Just be extremely careful. Yes, be careful. Be careful. Like, oh, that's yeah. scary. I agree. I agree. But I thought it was a, a really cool idea. They were they were branding it as the world's first robot lawyer. But they're not even lawyers. No, not really. <laughs> well, thinking of lawyers, this next gentleman may have needed a really good lawyer. Okay. Charles Russ, Florida man. Oh, back to Florida. <laughs> Arrested for giving wedgies outside movie theater, police say. What? <laughs> <laughs> giving wedgies outside mm-hmm. a movie theater. Yep. That's mm-hmm. hilarious. So CBS actually reported 12? on this. Uh, <laughs> no, he's 18. Oh, okay. That makes a, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but <laughs> it's a little more forgivable, I guess. So... Bradenton, Florida, police arrested a YouTube prankster on mm. Sunday. Well, not Sunday. This is back in 2013, January no, 16th of 2013, um, for allegedly giving wedgies to people outside of Florida movie theater. Um, Bradenton police say 18-year-old Charles Russ was booked in Mont- Mantatee County Jail on battery charges, he was released Monday on a $750 bond. Uh, police report said Russ is known for videotaping pranks and harassing people in Manatee County, then putting the footage on YouTube. Of course, YouTube a, prankster. There are a lot of YouTube prankers out there. <laughs> the recent video of Russ kissing strangers has... Uh, generated nearly 40,000 views. Police said Russ grabbed people by the back of the pants and pulled them up hard. Several victims said they were too embarrassed to press charges. I would have been too embarrassed. Like, seriously, how do you even press charges on a wedgie? Yeah, I wouldn't ever press charges on a wedgie, but... Unless my hoo-ha was bleeding or something. (laughs) I do find it almost comical. 40,000, I mean, for us, that would be a lot of people if they listen to this episode, 40,000. 40,000 people. 400,000. Did I say 40,000? That's a little better. I mean, we're not in millions yet, so he's not like making a good living off of it, but you know, he's he's a prankster. No. Uh, Yeah. Um, Russ said he doesn't agree with the, he didn't agree with the charges. Um, He did apologize for offending anyone (laughs) and it was a joke I was playing. It doesn't mean it's okay what I was doing. I think it was fair. He's, he said. Okay. So Russ will continue making videos despite this arrest. 
Pranksters so. need to watch themselves a little bit. Any prank that involves touching another person can always go They weren't the touching way. him. He was just grabbing his clothes and pulling them off real hard. <laughs> that's touching somebody. <laughs> I know. I just, you know. It's kind of funny, but no, I, it, it I funny. can see people getting bent out of shape. Well, so Plus, wedgies aren't always the most comfortable to get, and they uh, can no. hurt. I was like, you know, a 10-year-old once. I got wedgies in school before. It's not fun. I never really got a wedgie because when I was a teenager, I wore a bodysuit, so it was really hard to Mm, do wedgies. So we Hmm. gave my brother one wedgie. You guys tortured your brother. Yeah. Put him in a suitcase, threw him down the stairs. We did not. It's just he what got I heard. in there that's willingly. God, that you sound like just like him. Every holiday, the red suitcase gets brought up. Yeah, well, you know, shouldn't have put him in the suitcase and threw him down the stairs. Maybe he would have been a nicer person if you didn't. He pick on fit him so in much. it, and we were able to close and lock it. It was metal. Mm-hmm. It was like the shield of armor. Okay. He got over it. Maybe you should too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My final story. One of my favorite things to do, um, one of my favorite things to read for entertainment is reviews. I really like reading reviews. You're so odd. I know I am. I know I am. But sometimes Ugh. you come across gems. And yeah, like the gummy beer, sugar-free gummy yes, beers. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I, I have read reviews. Um. I ran across an article, or a couple of articles, actually, because this was a big blow-up thing a while back. Um, there's a, a, a travel agent uh, called Thomas Cook Vacations. They're located in England. Why do I feel like you've talked about this with me? I don't think so. I like stumbled on Thomas this earlier, this, wi- earlier this week. Thomas Cook Vacation? Okay. Anyway, they recently posted on their website an article showing customer reviews like the best night the 19 most hilarious bad reviews they've ever received okay and i thought they were absolutely amazing so that's what i'm gonna read the okay these are all bad reviews written about thomas cook vacations the travel are they like the best reviews ever oh i don't know about the best reviews ever but they're they're people who obviously don't understand what they were signing up for okay Uh, Number one, they should not allow topless sunbathing on the beach. It's very distracting for my husband who just wanted to relax. (laughs) This was a a couple that went to a a vacation in Spain and there was a nude beach and they're mad at the travel agent for it. That one's not so bad. Being topless though I think is a normal thing, isn't it? Yes, yes, A lot of countries in Europe, topless is normal. Yes. Um... Number two, on my holiday to Goa in India, I was disgusted to find out that almost every restaurant served curry. I don't like spicy food. Oh. <laughs> yes, you were going to go there and McDonald's was going to have the regular quarter pounder too, right? In India where you don't eat cows, right? Number three, we went on holiday to Spain and had a problem with the taxi drivers. They all spoke Spanish. Oh, no. Keep going. Uh, We booked an excursion to a water park, but no one told us we had to bring our own swimsuits and towels. What? We just assumed it was included in the price. A swimsuit? (laughs) What's your size? Did they ask for that? Oh, my God. Oh, here's one of my favorites. One of my favorites. 
The beach was too sandy. We had to clean everything when we returned to our room. Even their butt crack. <laughs> uh, we found the sand it was not like the sand in the brochure. Your brochure shows sand as white, but ours was more yellow. Oh, like. my God. <laughs> Somebody peed on it. Sorry. The lazy local shopkeepers in Port of Arrow close in the afternoons. I mean, I often need to buy something during siesta time. This should be banned. Oh, my God. <laughs> no one told us there'd be fish in the water. My children were scared. <laughs> no comment. Uh Although the brochure said that there would be a fully equipped kitchen, there was no egg slicer in the drawers. Oh my God. Why would you write that review? No egg slicer. I don't even own an egg slicer. What <laughs> no. the hell is an egg slicer? Lady, that's not a common utensil. I think it should be explained in the brochure that local convenience stores do not sell proper biscuits like custard cream or ginger nuts. The roads were uneven and bumpy, so we could not even read the local guide during were the bus ride to the resort. Because of this, we were unaware of many things that would have had made our holiday more fun. Because <laughs> they couldn't read while they I were on the bus. I swear people just like to complain to complain. <laughs> oh, this, this one has got to be my favorite. It took us nine hours to fly home from Jamaica to England. It only took the Americans three hours to get home. This seems unfair. Well, move to America, <laughs> you freaking moron. I compared the size of our one-bedroom suite to our friend's three-bedroom suite. Ours was significantly smaller. Duh, they paid more to you, <laughs> moron. I love idiots. Keep going. The brochure stated, no hairdressers at the resort. We're tr trainee hairdressers, and we think they knew and made us wait longer for service. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, when we were in Spain, there were too many Spanish people there. <laughs> the receptionist spoke Spanish. What the, the food hell? was Spanish, and no one told us there would be so many foreigners. They're not foreigners. <laughs> You're the foreigner, you dumbass. Uh, we had to line up outside to catch the boat. There was no air conditioning. Too bad. Um. <laughs> I was bitten by a mosquito. The brochure didn't say anything about mosquitoes. <laughs> and finally, my fiance and I requested twin beds when we booked, but instead we were placed in a room with a king bed. We now hold you responsible and want to be reimbursed for the fact that I became pregnant. This would not have happened if you put us in the room that we booked. <laughs> I have literally no effing comment. You can book travel packages with this uh, with this travel agent at uh, hoteltravel.com slash deals. <laughs> I, honest to God, don't understand some people no. working in customer service for pretty much since I got out of high school. Yeah. I mean, I was able to escape the public for a while. People are so stupid. I didn't <laughs> they realize are. They are. how hard the general common public sense is. is. Yes. Like, even at work the other day, I had a coworker in my face over something dumb. And I was just like, 
I didn't realize I was supposed to explain to you, even though it's not my job because I'm not a trainer mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm just your coworker. Um, everything. So next time I'm just going to start emailing you every thought I have because I don't know how else to share it. Yes. With you. Yes. You moron. Yes. 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 If you would like to share anything with us, you always can at Outlandish Outcast. <gasps> yes, I love it when people share. Because we may actually take your idea and run with it, or we, we may make fun of you because you have no comments. <laughs> we might. That is always possible. But, but I if you can't would like pick to make fun anyone. of us, if you would like to make fun of us, send us an email making fun of us. I will read it on air. For totally. Sure. And I would take pride in it because in all honesty, I get called pretty a lot at work. You're so pretty. <laughs> My mom used to tell me to marry young. <laughs> 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 so I would take no offense because I take pride in, yes. in it. You got to have fun with it sometimes. But working in customer service, I do get annoyed listening to people complain about stuff. It's just like, seriously, did you just complain about that? Oh my god yep so but yes um where did you just end see pretty i just gave our email address email okay we're at email now at facebook yes so you can definitely leave a comment you i believe you can rate us on facebook i'm not quite sure i have no idea i don't know i have no idea just come to facebook (laughs) outlandish outcast podcast leave a comment like our page share 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 we like it when you guys share you can do the same on twitter you can share it you can like it you can retweet it outlandish casts tweet tweet (laughs) or you can come to instagram outlandish outcast and you can love our little whatever they're called i don't know how instagram works either i i barely know or wherever you are listening to this podcast, whatever app you are in, whatever site you are on, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it. I like to hear what people have to say. Yes, Negative, positive, because you know what? Maybe we do have an area. Unless it's taking me off of this show, <laughs> that's never going to happen. And don't tell us we can't pronounce anything. We know that already. <laughs> I pronunciate <laughs> very well. <laughs> anyway... Have a great week, everybody. Bye.